Well, I announced this morning that we were going to show you some things tonight that you're not going to believe. And I sent this video to Dalton Robertson, and he texted back, Dang, and these people call us crazy. So th this is going to be fun. And, of course, my temptation is to stop the video and explain stuff. Stop the video and explain stuff. I'm going to sit up here, and they're controlling the video from back there to keep me from doing that. So just because of Wade, I'm going to get the control now. <laughs> no, um, when it's done, I'll make some comments. But so you young people, really, really important that you guys watch this and pay attention. There'll be some historical references so this was done in 1999. Um, there's some historical references that won't mean anything to you, different UN treaties that they're talking about. Don't worry about that. None of that matters. Um, but when you start hearing him talk, you're not going to believe it. I'm just telling you, and I'm not overselling it. You're not going to believe the stuff that he says. Now, you young people won't even know who this is, but how many of you have heard of Walter Cronkite, the most trusted man in news? He received an award, the uh, Norman Cousins Award, for the, uh, the Federalist, the Worldwide Federalist Society or Association. And so I'm going to let the video speak for itself. As Uncle Rico said, you want to see my video? So we're going we're gonna to watch that. Let's have a word of prayer. And remember what we're doing. I showed you this morning how... This, this Antichrist is going to come in and he's going to conquer the world with peace. There's going to be a one-world government, a one-world economic system that's going to lead to horrible things. And so those of us who have been talking about this, um, and so all of you who are raised like me, we grew up, I was born in 1963, so we grew up, you know, late great planet Earth and... Thief in the Night, and all of these things about Bible prophecy, some of that stuff isn't being taught as much anymore. I don't know if you all have noticed. It's not as the emphasis isn't quite as strong as it used to be. But when we would talk about a one-world government, a one-world economic system, and all of those things, we were conspiracy theorists. So this video that I'm going to show is from 1999. I'm going to let it speak for itself. And uh, go ahead. Uh, you know that we have come to the point of our really being here this evening, uh, and that is to honor with the Norman Cousins Global Governance Award, uh, Walter Cronkite. We are proud to present to you this amethyst geode, uh, and I hope all of you will take the opportunity at the conclusion of the program uh, to come up and examine it. We're not worrying about anybody carrying it off. Uh, it's too heavy for me to lift. Uh, but uh, it illustrates a very important lesson. The crystals of a geode are formed within another rock that serves as the foundation for their fragile beauty. Uh, the rock provides the structure necessary for the crystals to grow. 
and in similar fashion, world government is the structure necessary for global justice. You, sir. You, sir, have been a lifelong advocate of this principle, and it is appropriate, therefore, that we present you with this amethyst geo. Thank you very much, Mr. President. And uh, there are many of us here who had wished back a couple of decades ago that we had been addressing you with Mr. President in a slightly different <laughs> environment. And thank you, Mrs. Annan, for those lovely words you spoke. I will treasure them. And I'm greatly honored, quite obviously, by the Norman Cousins Global Government Governance Award. I'll try to get it right, since I will be referring to it frequently, of course, from now on. Uh, first, uh, I well, there are two reasons, really, why I'm particularly grateful and honored by this award. Uh, the first, uh, I, I, I believe, as Norman Cousins did, that the first priority of humankind in this difficult era is to establish an effective system of world law that will assure peace with justice among the peoples of all the world. <laughs> but uh, second, I, uh, I feel rather sentimental uh, about this award and this organization because half a century ago, Norman Cousins offered me a job as the spokesman and the Washington lobbyist for the really nascent uh, organization called World Federalists. <laughs> I, uh, I was honored. He and Oscar Hammerstein, Hammerstein met me in the Waldorf and twisted my arm quite vigorously to get me to take the job, to take the place of Ted Waller, who was the first lobbyist and a noted supporter of the World Federalist movement. I chose instead, uh, it turned out, to continue in the world of journalism. Uh, for many years, I did my best to report on the issues of the day with as much fairness uh, as I possibly could, in objective a manner as uh, is possible to achieve. When I had my own strong opinions, I tried to put them aside for the moment in the interest of fairness. I didn't communicate them, I hope, to my audience. Now, however, now, however, my circumstances are considerably different. I'm in a position to speak my mind, and by God, I'm going to do it. <laughs> you know, those of us who are living today can truly influence the future of civilization. We can influence whether our planet is going to live or die whether it's going to drift into chaos and violence, or whether through a monumental educational and political effort, a monumental effort, we will achieve a world of peace under a system of law where individual violators of that law are brought to justice. For how many thousands of years now have we humans been what we insist on calling civilized? 
And yet, in total contradiction, we also persist in the savage belief that we must occasionally at least settle our arguments by killing each other. While we spend much of our time and a great deal of our treasure in preparing for war, we see no comparable effort in establishing peace. Meanwhile, emphasizing the sloth in this regard, those advocates who work for world peace by urging a system of world law and order, world government, if you please, are called impractical dreamers. Those impractical dreamers are entitled, it seems to me, to ask their critics, what is so darn practical about war? <laughs> First, we Americans are going to have to yield up some of our sovereignty. That's going to be, to many, a bitter pill. It would take a lot of courage, a lot of faith, a lot of persuasion to them to come along with us on this necessity. Our forefathers believed that the closer the laws are to the people, the better. Cities legislate on local matters, of course. States make decisions on matters within their borders. And the national government deals with issues that transcend the states, such as interstate commerce, foreign relations. That's what we mean by federalism. Today, we must develop federal structures on a global level. To deal with world problems, we need a system of enforceable world law, a democratic federal world government. You know, what Alexander Hamilton wrote about the need for law among the 13 states applies today to the approximately 200 sovereignties in our global village, all of which are going to have to be convinced to give up some of that sovereignty to the better, greater union. Hamilton said, and it's not going to be easy. Hamilton said, to look for a continuation of harmony between a number of independent, unconnected sovereignties in the same neighborhood would be to disregard the uniform course of human events and to set at defiance the accumulated experience of ages. Today, the notion of unlimited national sovereignty means international anarchy. We must replace the anarchic law of force with the civilized law of, uh, of law, force of law. Ours will. That's water. <laughs> You know, Churchill used to say, nearly every speech, at some point he'd reach for a little glass, and he'd take a slip, and he'd say, uh, that's water, you know, water. <laughs> Except he lied. <laughs> Ours is never going to be a perfect world for heaven's sakes. We all know that. Not a, there can't be a world without some disagreement, probably occasional violence. But it will be a world where the overwhelming majority of national leaders will consistently abide by the rule of world law if we have our way and can sell our program. And those who won't obey the law, the international law with which we'll be governed, are going to be dealt with effectively and with due process of the structures of that same world law. We're, you know we're never going to have a city without crime. We're never, but we, we, we certainly would never want to live in a city without law a law to deal with the criminals who are always among us.
Not here, in it this evening, you understand. <laughs> the three suggestions with which I've been furnished uh, for immediate action that would move us in the direction firmly in the American tradition of law and democracy are these. First, keep our promises, for heaven's sakes. Keep our promises. We help create the United Nations, of course. We help develop the UN assessment formula by which it is financed. Americans overwhelmingly, I think, every poll shows it, wants us to pay our UN dues. Wants us to pay them with no, none of these crippling limitations that we, with our arrogance, seem to want to impose. We owe it to the world. In fact, we owe it not only to the world, we owe it as well to our national self-esteem. How embarrassing it is to go among the peoples of the world knowing what they know about our niggardliness. Please get that word right if anybody quotes me uh, at the United Nations. And second, ratify the treaty. Ratify several treaties. Ratify the treaty, for goodness sakes, to ban landmines. Why can't we understand? Our representatives worked hard and long to get the Law of the Sea Treaty, and we haven't ratified it even. Selfish interests to dictate, not the national interest or the international interest. The comprehensive, these are other treaties we haven't ratified. The Comprehensive Nuclear Test Ban Treaty, you know. <laughs> a, a treaty with the catchy phrase, catchy title, the Convention to Eliminate All Forms of Discrimination Against Women. The title may not be catchy, but the idea certainly is. And the Convention on the Rights of the Child. We haven't even done that. Most important, we should sign and ratify the Treaty for a Permanent International Criminal Court. That is now at the core of the World Federalist Movement's drive. That court will enable the world to hold individuals accountable for their crimes against humanity. And the third point, just consider, if you will, after 55 years, the possibility of a more representative and democratic system of decision-making at the UN. This should include both revision of the veto in the Security Council and adoption of a weighted voting system in the General Assembly. Our organization, the World Federalists, have endorsed Richard Hudson's binding triad proposal. George Soros, in his recent book, The Crisis of Global Capitalism, has given serious attention to this concept, which would be based upon not only the one nation, one vote, but also on population, and contributions to the UN budget. Res resolutions adopted by majorities in each of these three areas would then be binding, enforceable law. Within the powers given it in the Charter, the UN could then deal with matters of reliable financing, a standing UN peace force, development, the environment, and, of course, human rights. Some of you may ask, although I think most of you know the answer, why the Senate is not ratifying these important treaties. 
and why the Congress is not even paying our U.N. dues. Even as with the American rejection so many years ago now of the League of Nations after World War I, our failure to live up to our obligations to the United Nations is led by a handful of willful senators who choose to pursue their narrow, selfish political objectives at the cost of our nation's conscience. They pander to and are supported by the Christian coalition and the rest of the religious right wing. Their leader, Pat Robertson, has written in a book a few years ago that we should have a world government, but only when the Messiah arrives. <laughs> he wrote, and literally, any attempt to achieve world order before that time must be the work of the devil. Well, join me. I, I'm glad to sit here at the right hand of Satan. <laughs> the only way we can do it is to organize a strong educational counteroffensive stretching from the most publicly visible people in all fields to the humblest individuals in each of our communities. That's the vision and the program of the World Federalist Association. It begins with education and it ends with success and hope. Let us hear the peal of a new international liberty bell that calls us all to the creation of a system of enforceable world law in which the universal desire for peace can place its hope and its prayers. As Carl Van Doren has written, history is now choosing the founders of the World Federation. That was back there at the beginning. And he said, any person who can be among that number and fails to do so has lost the noblest opportunity of a lifetime. Thank you. We would like to bring you a message from the First Lady of the United States, Hillary Rodham Clinton. Good evening and congratulations, Walter on receiving the World Federalist Association's Global Governance Award. For more than a generation in America, it wasn't the news until Walter Cronkite told us it was the news. Every night at 6 o'clock, we welcomed you into our living rooms and listened as you explained the complex events of the day. Whether it was the space race or the Vietnam War, presidential elections, or peace treaties, you were there telling us in simple yet riveting prose what was happening. You became a trusted member of my family and the families across America. For decades, you told us the way it is. But tonight, we honor you for fighting for the way it could be. We honor you for lending your voice to the cause of human rights around the world and for your lifelong commitment to international human rights law. From your reporting on the Nuremberg trials to your work with the WFA campaign to end genocide, you have stirred our consciences and challenged all of us to live closer to the words of the Universal Declaration of Human Rights. All human beings are born free and equal in dignity and rights. So thank you, Walter. Thank you for inspiring all of us to build a more peaceful and just world. We are still listening to your every word. And with your continuing leadership, we can sail across these unnavigated seas into the 21st century, and there's no better captain I can imagine than you. Thank you. Great. 
I'm very pleased to present uh, the distinguished actor Michael Douglas. Well, Mrs. Clinton sort of said it for me because, like... So, there are so many things that could be said about that. Um, how many of you were shocked by some of the statements that were made? So when we would talk about this global government that people were heading for and global governance, people think that we're crazy. But there is a group of people, and they are the elites, the people that control the information that we receive, that this is their agenda. I was telling Jacob on the way here, see, so all of us old folks... It's hard for the young people to understand. So think about this, guys. Imagine if there were three people in the world that were controlling your information. That's what it was like for this generation. If you were going to watch the news on television, you had three channels, and you had three different guys that were there for 30 or 40 years, and every piece of news that someone saw on television was filtered through those men. That's why they hate the alternative media. That's why they're doing shadow banning on YouTube or shadow banning on Facebook. They're having to shut down these alternative voices. And if people like Rush Limbaugh hadn't come along, we would never have known that this stuff was going on. Now, I'm not the hugest Rush Limbaugh in the fan, in, in, fan in the world. It, the, I could do a whole section on how Limbaugh hurt us by refusing to acknowledge things like I just saw, showed you. He always said, don't, don't trust conspiracy theories. Stay away from conspiracy. Don't trust John Birch Society. He would, he would say all of those kinds of things. And so that hurt us. It's interesting, the man that introduced Cronkite and gave him the award is John P. Anderson. He was a Republican congressman. This isn't a Democrat thing. This is a globalist thing. Very important that we understand. So I want to give you a few of the items. I want to explain a few of the items that he talked about. Um, he said at the beginning that individual violators would be prosecuted by the world court. The problem with that is, is there's not another nation that has our system of rights. So that international bill of rights that they're talking about from the United Nations it doesn't have our First Amendment. Go ahead and try and speak the truth in the Netherlands. They'll put you in jail. Go ahead and try and speak the truth in Germany. They'll put you in jail. Go ahead and confront rapists in England, and they'll put you in jail. Look up Tommy Robinson. He's in jail right now because he commented on a trial publicly. He's in prison. They've tried to kill him in prison. That's going on right now. I'm, I'm Right this moment, that's going on. These are the people that we are supposed to sit under in a world court. I'm just telling you, the rights that we have in the United States, guaranteed by the Second Amendment, do not exist anywhere else in the world. Young people... You'll get this idea that all of Western society have the same laws. That is simply not true. 
So individual violators prosecuted by the world court. Notice he also said this, that our options are either world government or war. Well, how does he think there's going, that we're going to accomplish a world government? It is interesting that these elites, they speak in language that implies that we are the dumbest people in the world. That kind of arrogance. Then he said that we need to yield up sovereignty necessarily. We need to yield up our national sovereignty. Never. The Bible says, remove not the ancient landmark. Uh, Look with me just so you can see this. Look at Genesis chapter 11. Verse 1. So, verse 1 is the desire of Walter Cronkite, okay, in this globalist movement. And the whole earth was of one language and of one speech, right? They want us all to be one. And it came to pass as they journeyed from the east that they found a plain in the land of Shinar, of course, that's Babylon, and they dwelt there. And they said one to another, go to let us make brick and burn them throughly. And they had brick for stone and slime had they for mortar. And they said, go to let us build us a city and a tower whose top may reach unto heaven and let us make us a name lest we be scattered abroad upon the face of the whole earth. And the Lord came down to see the city and the tower which the children of men builded. And the Lord said, behold, the people is one and they have all one language. And this they begin to do. Look at this. And now nothing will be restrained from them, which they have imagined to do. When we have oneness, anything that we imagine can be accomplished. But what does the Bible say about the imaginations of mankind? Genesis chapter 6, verse 5. And God saw that the wickedness of man was great in the earth and that every imagination of the thoughts of his heart was only evil continually. Now you say, wait a minute, Brother Jim, that that was before the flood. They still have the same nature after the flood. So now look, go back to Genesis chapter 11. End of verse 6. And now nothing will be restrained from them which they have imagined to do. Go to, let us go down and there confound their language that they may not understand one another's speech. So the Lord scattered them abroad from thence upon the face of all the earth. And they left off to build the city. They stopped building it. Therefore, is the name of it called Babel because the Lord did there confound the language of all the earth And from thence did the Lord scatter them abroad upon the face of all the earth. Now, why would God do that? He did it out of mercy. He did it out of grace. He did it to help them. He divided the nations and the people along language lines so that they would not commit abominations. That's why he did it. But he did it for another reason. Look at Acts chapter 17. We need to understand the evil of globalism. 
it's not only that we oppose it politically, and we do oppose it politically, but that's not the only reason. That's not even the primary reason. Acts chapter 17 and verse 22. Then Paul stood in the midst of Mars Hills and said, Ye men of Athens, I perceive that in all things ye are too superstitious. For as I passed by and beheld your devotions, these are their gods, I found an altar. Now, that, it is interesting that people call your Bible study devotions. Isn't that interesting? Because the word devotions in the Bible is always a negative thing. How about you do Bible study? And that, that's, that's what the Bible tells you to do. Amen? Are you with me? The language gets so convoluted. That's an example. Okay. For as I passed by and beheld your devotions, I found an altar with this inscription, to the unknown God. So they, had, they wanted to make sure they didn't miss one. So they had one that was called the unknown God. And so Paul brilliantly goes and says, this is the one I want to talk to you about. And he introduced them to the one true God. Whom therefore ye ignorantly worship, him declare I unto you, God that made the world and all things therein, seeing that he is Lord of heaven and earth, dwelleth not in temples made with hands, neither is worshipped with men's hands as though he needed anything, seeing he giveth to all life and breath and all things, and hath made of one blood all nations of men for to dwell on all the face of the earth. Remember, he scattered them over the whole face of the earth. And hath determined the times before appointed and the bounds of their habitation. What is another word for bounds? Borders. Y'all with me on this? Why does God want us to have borders? Verse, seven, verse 27. That they should seek the Lord. If haply they might... Feel after him and find him, though he be not far from every one of us. For in him we live and move and have our being, as certain also of your own poets have said, for we also, for we are also his offspring. So it's very important that we understand that globalism is a violation of our laws and our national sovereignty, but far above that, it's a violation of God's plan for the world. So how many of you know that we have some serious issues with some things that Pat Robertson has said and done? But he was absolutely right in the statement that Walter Cronkite quoted. Did you see them laugh about the Messiah coming? All I can say is go ahead and laugh. He who sits in the heavens will laugh. He will hold you in derision, the Bible says. Go ahead, laugh at God. Go ahead. Now, I understand people get frustrated with that. They don't like that kind of speech. Boy, they sure would have hated John the Baptist. They would have hated the, the, the Bible preachers. It's really important that we understand when they laugh at our God, that's not okay. That is not okay. And then notice how cavalierly he sided with Satan. Now, let me say this very clearly. I don't believe he believed he was siding with Satan. Y'all with me? I don't think he believes in Satan. I'm not going to stand up here and tell you Walter Cronkite was a Satanist. That's not what I'm telling you. But you know what he was doing? He was siding with Satan. Now again, we're the crazy ones. Let's go on. Some of the other comments that he made. 
when he talks about the world federalist system, who is going to rank, who's going to rule that? Is it going to be Joe the plumber? Is it going to be your local exterminator? Going to be a music teacher? No, it's going to be an elite that's been trained among the elite. And it's not going to be you and me. It's not going to be government of, by, and for the people. It's going to be of, by, and for the elites. And the rest of us are just minions. The thing about that, that National Declaration of Human Rights, you need to read it from the UN. There are reasons in there to suspend those rights. And the UN has the power to suspend your human rights. The, see, this is where our system of government is so important. You give up your rights to certain things when you commit a crime. But you do not give up your citizenship. You don't give up your right to representation. You don't give up your right to confront, to be confronted by your, or to confront your accuser. And you don't give up your right to be judged by a jury of your peers. A jury of your peers is not the whole world. It's your community. And we have community standards that are different than those in Iran. I love Ravi Zacharias' statement. In one culture, they say, love your neighbor. In another culture, they say, eat your neighbor. Which do you prefer? So I'm going to go on. The, his ideas are so heinous. So the world federalist. How about a democratic world government? How is that going to work? How, how is everyone going to be able to vote? Do you think there's any chance of corruption in that system? He said that sovereignty, that unlimited national sovereignty, leads to anarchy. Explain that logic to me. You have individual countries governed by their own laws. That is just the opposite of anarchy. Anarchy would be one all-encompassing system. Okay, we're supposed to believe that seven specific systems broke down in order for Jeffrey Epstein to be able to commit suicide. And these are the people that want to control your health care. These are the people that want to control every aspect of your life. The most blatant incompetence in, incompetence in the world. And we, they want the entire world that doesn't work to govern it. Could you tell we're the bad guys in his speech? We're the nation that works the best. We work the best. And they'll hold up Germany and these other nations. 33,000, 60,000, which would you rather have? The other thing that you want to remember, I was talking with someone about this, and this is several years ago. So we have this idea that they do everything better in Europe. That's the way that it's presented to us. How many of you ever been to Europe? Their trains work good. But listen. So in England, somebody living in London, England, the cost of living is double that of the United States. You know, it's like $10 a gallon for gas. Eight or nine dollars a gallon for milk. And the income is half. Less than half of what you'd make in the United States. So the quality of life is one quarter of what yours is. Laura and I were in London. This must be 10 years ago, 12 years ago. 
And I got a coffee and a Danish before I got onto the train, and it was $11. It's crazy. You can't imagine the difference. And yet these are the people that are going to tell us how to do things? Are you serious? All right, let's go on. So he said that, that unlimited national sovereignty produces anarchy, and the way to overcome that is with the international force of law. Now, we need to understand what they mean by that, international force of law. It's like this. When Bernie Sanders or, you know, Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez says that you need to pay your fair share, it's different than when I stand up and say, you church members, you ought to tithe. That's God's plan, and that's everybody. then everybody's giving equally. You're, you're, you're giving 10%. When I say that, I don't then come to, my, to your house with a gun when you don't. It's voluntary. How many of you understand what I just said? Those who didn't raise your hand, I'm coming to your house with a gun. That, that's the difference between Voluntary. When you don't pay your fair share in a Bernie Sanders system, they come to your house with guns. Go ahead. Don't pay your taxes for about 10 years and find out if they show up with cream puffs. It's the force of law. Understand, when anyone uses the term force of law, that means guns. Oh, wait a minute. I thought guns were bad. No, not in the hands of the elites. And I want you to think about this. The same people that are telling you that police kill people, they're the same people that are telling you that only the police should have guns. Do you think maybe either they've not thought through their argument or they're just complete idiots? Walter Cronkite's not a complete idiot. Those people in that room, they are not idiots. They are people that are following a satanic globalist agenda that would undermine evangelism. It would hurt people. It doesn't help people. Then, if you want to see how good it works, go to San Francisco. You can't afford to buy a house there. You can't live there. And so people live on the streets. And they have the plague Tuberculosis. Police in, San, in Los Angeles get sick just walking past the homeless encampments because of the disease that's there. That's what liberals do. But go ahead and try and put up a deck at your house. Do you think maybe there's an agenda that undermines human liberty? Then... He talked about the rule of world law and those that violate it will be dealt with effectively. Man, if you understand bureaucratic speak, dealt with effectively, yeah. How about prison camps? How about extermination camps? Oh, pastor, I don't know about that. Well, Go and look up the last time people were dealt with effectively. 
He talked about three ways. He talked about keeping our promises to the UN. The law of the sea. How many of you remember that treaty, the law of the sea? That would give up. We would give up our dominance of the sea. Understand that the United States Navy is the strongest navy in the world. And that is the, the United States Navy is what guarantees free trade on the seas. If it wasn't for the United States, there would be no free trade on the seas. Would not exist, said the Navy man. <laughs> How about the nuclear test ban? Do you think North Korea and Iran are going to follow that? Are you stupid? Then, the um, discrimination against women. I'm sure Saudi Arabia is going to sign that. See, all that's going to do is affect the way that we live. It won't affect the way Saudi Arabia lives. Then the rights of the child. Do you know what the rights of the child, that treaty did? It took away the sovereignty of the parents. That's what says that your, parent, your children don't belong to you, they belong to the state. You think I'm making it up? Go and read it. The International Criminal Court, we've talked about that. How are, you going to, how are you going to have an attorney that understands how to represent you at the International Criminal Court? Where, where is that trial going to be held? In Brussels? How are you going to get there? How's your representation going to get there? Tractor beam? Then, take away the veto in the Security Council. One nation, one vote. Again, that makes the United States equal with Iraq, with Indonesia. Any of you ladies want Indonesia determining how you live? You young people need to be glad because in, in Thailand, you'd get caned when you disobey. And I'm for that. Um, oh, then population. So who's going to rule? India and China. Who thinks that India and China are good people to have in charge of human rights? And do you remember who wrote the book that endorsed these ideas? This is 1999, George Soros. Remember, we're the conspiracy nuts. We're the kooky ones. We're the crazy ones. Seriously, th think about this. How many of you, uh, be, be honest with me. Think about this. These are not stupid people. China and India in charge of human rights. How many of you think honestly that that's the craziest thing you've ever heard in your life? Then he talked about, oh, then contribute, contributions to the U.N. budget. But then he talked about binding, forcible law. Binding, forcible law. Then he called it, again, a system of enforceable world law. Four times he said that. But he's the one who hates war. He's the one who hates violence. It's so interesting. The people who disarm you 
always want to kill you. The people who disarm you always want to enforce their law on you with their weapons, with their power, with their force of law. This idea of one man, one vote, our whole system with the Electoral College was brilliant. Remember, he quoted Madison on the difficulty of a nation with individual sovereign entities being governed in one locale. How difficult that would be. How did they overcome that difficulty? The Electoral College. That is, that Rhode Island has the same power as a state as California. That's how you have, that's that is our federalist system. That's our electoral college system. Do you think there's going to be an electoral college system in a one world government where it's controlled by population? So here's what you have. A bunch of ignorant, uneducated people in these third world countries, they're going to tell you how to handle your technology. They're going to tell you what you can do with your children. They're going to tell you what you can do with your wife or your husband. You see, all of the stuff that we looked at, the, the white horse, and he conquers the world with peace. And then he kills the people with the sword. And then the next horse comes in and it's pest, it's, it's the, the economic system completely collapses because there's no private property and the basis for wealth is private property. We understand that. We covered that this morning. I think I missed telling you this, that there were the two philosophers, Locke and Rousseau. Locke talked about that the purpose of government is, is to protect your life and your estate, your life and your property. Rousseau said that there is nothing more evil than the United States protection the United States government's founders, the protection of private property that is designed to oppress the poor and help the rich. Where do you think that idea came from? All the way back with Rousseau. Rousseau influenced Hegel. Hegel is the one who influenced Marx, and all of these ideas come from it. So all of these socialist societies where their economy is so much smaller than ours, the basis of that is a negation of your right to private property. That's done away with. And now the whole economic system collapses. And then you have pestilence and death and sword and famine. And it all comes from a globalist system that's been established for years. And Republicans and Democrats both are for it. And then this bull in a china shop named Donald Trump comes in. And we have a little reprieve. We have a parenthesis of liberty. We have a parenthesis of prosperity. Is he doing everything right? Absolutely not. Do you want him to be your Sunday school teacher? I don't think so. But when you look at what everyone else wants to do, did you see Hillary Clinton, what she was saying? Now listen. People are talking about how these radicals, Ilhan Omar and Ocasio-Cortez and these others, are taking the party way left. How many of you have heard someone say that? 
What did you just hear from 1999 in Hillary Clinton? Cortez has never said anything crazier than what you just saw. Mainly because she's too dumb to come up with the right words. It's so important that we understand that that system that they're talking about is the complete opposite of Scripture. Now, it's going to happen after we're gone. Amen? I'm glad that we've been delivered from the wrath to come. So what I wanted to do tonight, I wanted to show you this morning the biblical plan and what's going to happen. But I wanted you to see that, that Satan has this stuff running in the background always. It's always there. This fall, I'm going to show you a whole lot more, stuff that you're not going to believe. I'll give you a few examples and we'll be done. Um, there were, in the United States, so let me back up. How many of you have heard of Joseph Mengele, Death Angel of Auschwitz? He had, he was, a, he was the assistant to a doctor, I believe his name was Froschauer. And their study was eugenics, how to control populations. And that controlling of the populations came from reading Darwin. Darwin believed that, and, and that is not Ty Blackford. Is it Darwin that you say he looks like? Logan says that you look like Charles Darwin. He really does. So, and he's preaching next Sunday morning, just so you know. We have Charles Darwin in the pulpit next Sunday morning. Okay, now listen. Darwin believed that through natural selection that the Irish people would be wiped out. He believed that, that, that the colored, the dark-skinned people would be wiped out because they didn't have the mental capacity to contribute to society. And so that led to this, this teaching of eugenics. And I've got books in my office on eugenics that would just curl your hair. That was the, the eugenics was the foundation for Planned Parenthood and Margaret Sanger. It was to get rid of the unwanted races. So right now, more black babies are aborted in New York City than are born. That's Margaret Sanger's dream. So this influence of Darwinism, which went back to Thomas Malthus in the late 1700s, the Malthusian economics, the idea that we have overpopulation and that you had to get rid of these unwanted races. And they did it through many different ways, but it became a science called eugenics. Well, this Froschauer... He had an assistant named Joseph Mengele, and all through the war, Mengele, every week, would send notes of his research to Froschauer. And all of the information was compiled by IBM. In every concept, one of the, one of the great mysteries was, how in the world did the Germans round up the Jews so efficiently. How could they do it? Because they had these hollerith machines, the punch cards that you've seen, there were these hollerith machines. And there was a guy named, uh, I think his name was Willie Frank, who owned the IBM 
Thomas Watson, you know the computer Watson? He was in charge of IBM at that point. He licensed this uh, Willy Brandt. He licensed this Willy Brandt in Berlin to lease these IBM Hollerith machines to each of the concentration camps, and they serviced them every month. They were in the concentration camps every month. They provided 4 billion punch cards to the Germans through World War II because they were like a bullet. Once you use it, you can't use it again. And so they kept track of all of their research, all of their data on these machines, these early computers owned by IBM. And if I've got the documents, I've got pictures of the documents I'm going to show you with Willie Brandt, the concentration camps, signed by Watson. And what's the name of the computer that they're using to oversee the Veterans Administration now? Watson. How many of you think that that system is going to be good for our soldiers? That's not the end of the story. Froschauer, at the end of the war, he had been doing, he had been compiling the research that Mengele was doing on twins. And it's hard to even comprehend how evil Mengele was in his research on the twins. He'd take eyes out of one twin and put them in the other and see if they'd work. He'd swap out other organs. And that information would be sent to this Froschauer. At the end of the war, through Operation Paperclip, the United States hired Froschauer, and he went to teach at Stanford University. And all of that teaching in eugenics... All of that idea of superior races, all of that idea of an elite and an underclass that's permeated our society, it's not gone away, folks. And all of that information, when you look now at the HIPAA laws, when you look at what Obamacare did, you can't go to the doctor without that doctor having an iPad and putting all of your information in a database. I was... I had a sinus infection. I went to the urgent care. Are you depressed? Only about sitting here too long. You know what I said? I'm not going to answer that. Ask me another question. I'm not answering that. Don't answer those questions, folks, because that's going into a national database. Do you know the next thing that's going to happen? If you're depressed, you've got a red flag, they're going to come and take your gun away. Anybody here doubt that's the exact agenda? All of those uh, cases, all of, the, di all of the, the men who are coming back from the, our wars and they're diagnosing them with PTSD, that is so they can no longer carry a firearm. Because we certainly don't want people who are trained in firearms having those guns when it comes time for the global government. Now, how many of you, be, be real honest with me. How many of you are thinking, Pastor Jim, that sounds a little crazy what you're talking about. Sounds a little extreme. Any of you think so? If we had said this 30 years ago, people would have said, you're crazy. This is exactly what's going on in the world. So what tonight is, I'm tying together 
every God, God has laid out this system for us, all the stuff that's going to happen. And when I look through history and I do this research and I can show you that IBM has been behind that, all these people that want to shut down Israel, don't you think they ought to be protesting outside of IBM? How come they're not doing it? This is the craziest stuff in the world. And I'm going to be able to show you things like that over and over and over again. You know one thing that I didn't tell you? Do you know who was funding Groshauer's research? The Carnegie Foundation. If you want to do a study that will curl your hair, study the great philanthropic foundations that were established after the trust busting of Teddy Roosevelt. J.P. Morgan, the Ford Foundation, the Carnegie Foundation. Anybody ever seen a Carnegie Library, Bell Fountain? They were also funding eugenics research. They were taking people in Appalachia and doing experiments on them. They had unfit people. And if somebody had a certain look, their forehead was shaped differently. They'd sterilize them because they didn't want them to reproduce. It's the craziest stuff you've ever heard. And all of those systems are in place again. So we just need to be aware. Be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary the devil, as a roaring lion, walketh about seeking whom he may devour. God told us all this stuff would happen. And Satan has done a wonderful job of distracting us with Instagram. Laura Alter. You're not going to see this stuff on Instagram. You're not going to see this stuff on Facebook. You need to get in a book. You need to read. You need to study. You need to understand that that the gatekeepers used to be ABC, CBS, NBC. Now the gatekeepers are YouTube, Twitter, Facebook. Remember, we're going to start our own. We're going to combine the three and call it U-Twit-Face. Really important that we understand that this false world system, it is there. It's not gone away because we're in the 21st century. It's just hidden. Amen? Amen. Thank you, Lord, for the opportunity to study these things, to see from your word that you do want borders, that you do want us to have national sovereignty so that people can be saved.